Good morning. Uh, so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited just to open this word with you. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Luke 15, so if you have that, you can head that way. If you don't have that, it'll be on the wall, which is amazing. I'm going to really quick just kind of pray. I know we've done it a bunch, but we'll be fine. Father God, this morning, just speak in this place. God, we need you. We're leaning in. We're pressing in. We're asking God for you to do amazing things. God, I know that we've prayed a lot this morning, but we know we can't do anything without prayer. Um, so God, we're just asking that you move. God, we, we need you. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man. Good morning. Um, again, we're in Luke 15 this morning. If you don't have your word, it'll be on the wall. Or if you can't see, I guess maybe it's dark in here too. I uh, just want to say Happy New Year. Um, that was pitiful. Um, man, either you guys had a really good New Year and you're just worn out from that still, or uh, you didn't make it till midnight. And I don't know which group you guys are in. Uh, maybe a little bit of both, but uh, man, so excited to be here with you guys and so excited to uh, see what God would have for us in 2020. That's crazy, um, right? Like, gosh, uh, talking to uh, somebody the other day and they've like, I've lived through five decades now and I laughed. Um, I thought that was funny and then I did the math and I've lived through four. So um, <laughs> not as young as I once was, um, but man, um, 2020, and man, thought there'd be flying cars or something by now, but whatever, you know, like, uh, there's not, that's okay, uh, but <laughs> so excited to be here and celebrate with you guys today, um, and lean into what God has for us. As I was praying, God, what would you have us to talk about this morning? It was uh, amazing. I've been doing that for a little over a week, and I didn't know till I don't know, 11 o'clock last night, um, so there's a long story that goes with that, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> long long story that goes with that. Um, so I, anyway, I uh, knew we were supposed to be in, but I didn't get the chance to study till like uh, two o'clock in the morning. So I'm running on about five hours of sleep and that's okay. Cause it's the Holy spirit this morning, me and Nemo, right? Um, but so excited about this. This is uh, what I would call a high pressure Sunday, uh, for me, just leaning into, uh, to 2020 and what God would have. There's a couple of those a year. Uh, Christmas Eve is one of those. Uh, I'm like, man, you can't mess up the story of the birth of Jesus or they'll get rid of you right in the Sunday before Christmas. Also one of those. Um, Good Friday, another like high pressure day. I uh, love Good Friday. We're going to do that again this year. Uh, uh, Jeff said we've got it booked till 2023. Is that right? 2023. So we've got it at least till 2023. He's the man like a uh, Midnight on uh, the 31st, right? You were like emailing somebody, making sure we got it for 2023. So that's amazing. Uh, we got that. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, Easter is another like high pressure for me because, uh, you know, again, you don't want to mess up the resurrection story. If you do that, they'll, they'll get rid of you. Um, and uh, the September, the first Sunday of September, like Overflow's birthday, that's that's another kind of big one for me, but but also this one, and I don't know why I put all that pressure on me, but I do, um, and the reason I think for this one is like, for me, this is like, God, what what's the course for this year? Like, where, where are we headed this year? Like, January 1st, 2020, God, what, what do you want to say to us that is going to get us into and through 2020? What's the, what's the theme? What's the heartbeat? I've been praying that, like, God, what would you say for us? today. And um, it was crazy. I was texting somebody and I didn't really know where we were going. And I was like, hey, pray for me. And about the time I texted them that, they must have prayed. And then a few minutes later, I, the story popped into my 
head, and it's the story of the prodigal son. Um, most of you have probably heard it before. And, and to me, it's the story of coming back, like this, this idea of coming back home, coming back to God. And you're like, well, why is that the theme of, of this year? And I think it's because God's inviting people to that place. Like this is going to be a year, hopefully, I believe, that is defined by God inviting people home. Uh, and that can be people that, that have like maybe never been there. Like people that have never known Jesus and, and God's standing there and he's saying, hey, come, come home today. Or it can be some of us. I've had so many conversations this last year, 2019, and some of it's been me to people and some of it's been people to me. And those conversations have been like this. I don't really feel close to God. Like, I think if, if you can mark 2019 on a bunch of our calendars, if we didn't just wad it up and throw it away anyway, it'd be this year of, of I don't really feel close. Uh, there's several. I mean, I've felt that way this year. Maybe, maybe if you're brave, you could be like, yeah, that's me. You're speaking about me. Uh, the, the 2019 was not like the closest year I've ever been to God, and that, that bothers me. Uh, I feel like we should always be moving like forward towards God, not away. And I feel like 2019 was this year of like either stagnation of like I don't feel like I'm going anywhere, or of like um, I don't I don't feel like I'm as close as I once was. And uh, my goal for me is like I don't ever want to say that. And here we were in 2019. I was saying that over and over and over again, and it was bad. It was it was rough. It was a rough year. Um, and and for some of you that that's true. I've had these these conversations with some of you just for different reasons. But but man, what 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 I believe God's saying to all of us today is like, you can come back. Like 2020, what if, what if that's the year of like, man, it's new decade, it's this new time, it's this new opportunity, and maybe God's going to do something super important in, 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 in the 2020s, who knows? And he's saying today, we can, we can come back into that. So we're, we're going to jump into the story of, of Luke 15, and, and man, I hope I didn't just, like I just said the whole thing, right? Like you know now. Um, but Luke 15 is this story of this prodigal son. And I don't really like that name because I think the story is a lot more about the father than it is the son. But, you know, like the son gets to, to get the role, I guess. <laughs> but it's contained in, in chapter 15. In chapter 15, we see Jesus sit down to teach. And he, he's been teaching uh, a lot. If you're 15 chapters into one of the Gospels, that's what Jesus has been doing for a lot of those chapters. And, and like every time Jesus sits down to teach, we see people come around to hear Jesus teach. They say over and over in the scripture, like nobody's ever taught like Jesus has taught. There's something different about the way he communicates that, that, that nobody else has ever rose to. And I'll just let you in on the secret. He is the word, John 1. So he doesn't have to interpret the word. He can just tell you what he means, right? Like, so Jesus just sits down and he begins to talk and he's like, Hey, this is, this is what I, this is what I mean. And it's this amazing thing. And people show up every single time. And I just want to say that I believe that's still true. If Jesus is talking, like somebody's going to show up to hear it. And, and these people show up and we see in, in, in 15, right at the beginning, that group of people that show up is, is, is all the tax collectors and sinners. They were, they were approaching to listen to him. Isn't that a crazy idea? Here's Jesus and he's talking and the people that are coming around to hear him are tax collectors and sinners. And we know like sinners, we, we've got that, like we are that, we've experienced that, we've got people we could point at that are that. Like we know sinners, but we're not Jewish and we don't know much about tax collectors other than like we don't like the IRS except for about like one week a year. And, and, and that's only if we're the people that get the thing back, right? Like <laughs> we like them for a little bit and then they start taking our money again and we don't like it. Like, but, but it's a little different than that in this day. 
See, tax collectors this, in this day were, were counted as like less than sinners. They're the bottom of the barrel. They're these people who are Jewish men who have, who have kind of betrayed their own people by working for the Roman government to come in and, and collect taxes from all these people. But it's even greater than that because it's not like I'm going to Nick and saying, hey, Nick, you owe the government $10, so give me $10, and I'll give that to the government. I'm saying to Nick, hey, you owe the government like $25. Do you like your legs? Uh, those are nice legs. It would be a problem if something happened to them with the baseball bat, right? So I would take as much money as I could get from Nick, and I would give the government what I owed the government, and then I would keep the rest for myself. And that's what tax collectors would do. They would extort money for, from their own people, these Jewish people, to, to make their living, to get rich. They would take from people who didn't have much so they could have a lot. And they were viewed because of that as like the worst class of people, bottom rung of the ladder in, in Jewish society. Sure, the Romans liked them, but the Jewish people, they didn't. And, and they come around to, with these sinners, the, 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 the lowest of the low, to hear Jesus talk. Isn't that a weird idea? What, what, do, we, what do we do here? Oh, the sinners, they, they wouldn't come here. Well, those people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. What, what have we done that flipped that? How many times have we spoke where Jesus wouldn't that have, that's, that's caused that? How many times have we said something like maybe above and beyond what Jesus would say that's caused that? So these people, they come around and they sit and they listen to Jesus teach. And it says there was another group there, the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. They were the teachers of the law. They would have a following and they would go in the temple and they would talk about what the, what the word of God says. And then the scribes. And the scribes were people that sat around all day long and they would write out the Old Testament, all these books like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, on and on and on and on. They would write those down and copy them. They didn't have a copy machine, so if you wanted another copy, somebody had to write down that whole thing. And they would just sit around and copy books over and over and over and over again. So they were very knowledgeable in what the Word of God said. Religious guys memorize the scriptures, could, could quote it to you. They didn't have tattoos because they weren't allowed to have tattoos. But if they did, maybe they would have had that on there. Uh, and these are those people, these religious people. And they also came around to hear Jesus teach. But they did something different when they came around. It says they were complaining that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Oh, man. Do you see who's listening to Jesus teach right now? I can't believe that they're here. Can you believe that Jesus would actually teach those people? Like, oh my gosh, he, he talks to sinners and he eats with tax collectors. Jesus, is, he's, he's maybe not what he seems like he is. They, they, would, they would put down these people that were coming to hear Jesus teach. And I wonder if maybe we have become in the church, and I'm not saying you or me, but probably you and me at times, have become the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees that, that every time somebody would almost listen to Jesus talk, we talk them out of it. See, because sinners, they, they don't have a problem with what Jesus says. There's, there's a lot of hope in what Jesus says and a lot of love in what Jesus says and a lot of forgiveness in what Jesus says. And we all need change, and we know that, like we're here today because we want to be changed. And we come around to hear what Jesus says. And the world is, I think, in the same place today. But maybe we've just counted them out and shut the door on them too many times. 
And these are the people that come and sit around as Jesus is teaching. We have the people who really probably we wouldn't imagine they are sinners and tax collectors. And then we have the religious people that are trying to get rid of the whole deal. And Jesus, in, in that atmosphere, begins to tell these stories. And then the first one he tells is this parable of this lost sheep. And what happens is this guy's got 100 sheep, and one sheep like goes away somewhere else. He's got 99 loyal sheep, and then that guy over there, that guy's wandered off to some other pasture, some other grass. He's going to look for something better. And then the shepherd takes note. And what he does is he goes after this sheep, the one that's in the other pastures that's decided there's something better over there. He leaves the 99, and he goes after the one and when he finds the one he doesn't rebuke the one or stomp the one or slam the one or kill the one he carries the one back home and then he throws a party now he's speaking to a group of sinners and tax collectors and religious people right what's the story these sinners and tax collectors are the people i'm looking for and you religious people are the one that should be having the party when they come home goes into another story, and he begins to tell this story about this woman and this coin. This woman had a couple coins. She lost one of the coins, and she, like, destroys the house looking for the coin. The coin, inanimate object, it can't control whether it's away or not, right? Like, it's just it rolled somewhere. Who knows, right? Like, whatever. It's doing its thing. It didn't mean to get stuck in the couch, but it got stuck in the couch. And we don't really know how it got there, and the coin's not really sure how it got there. But this woman, she's so concerned about this coin that she just tears the house apart looking for the coin. And she finds the coin, and she's not like, you stupid coin, I can't believe that you did that. Have you ever, like, slammed your hand in the car door, and then you, like, fuss at the car door, done a paper cut, and you wad the paper up and throw it away like it's the paper's fault? No, it's your fault. Like, you know, like she doesn't pick up the coin and like, oh my gosh, you stupid coin. I can't believe that you did that. But she, again, she's like, man, I can't. Yes, I'm so excited. I found this coin. Let's have a party. He's telling this story to sinners and, and, and religious people. And he's like, man, some of you are so far away and you don't even know how you got there. You didn't mean to get there. You weren't trying to run away. You just got away, and I found you now, and I'm so excited that I found you now. And you religious people, we should party about this. Like, this is an amazing thing. Like, they're back, and then we should have this party. It's the same story, isn't it? And then he tells this third story, and the third story is a little bit longer, and that's the one we're going to focus on today, and it's the story of this prodigal son, the son that, that, that goes away parable of the lost son maybe in some of you it's in verse 11 and it goes on he says he also said he being jesus a man had two sons so he just lays out the characters of the story a parable is a story that's meant to illustrate a moral or spiritual point so so we're going to get a moral or spiritual point from this and and he starts to lay out the characters of the story he's like there was a man and there was two sons so we need to focus on the man and the two sons today how many groups of people are sitting around as jesus talks there's jesus and there's sinners and tax collectors and there's religious people so there's something in the story for everybody and it says this man had two sons 12, the younger of them said to his father, the younger son, right, the, maybe the wild son, um, he says to them, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. He goes up to the father and he says, hey, I want the share of the estate that I have coming. Now, we know a little bit about estates, right, and you get an estate after someone dies, 
right? Like you wouldn't get an inheritance until the person you're getting it from is actually gone off the planet. And he walks up to the father and he says, hey, I want my inheritance. Now, what is he actually saying to the father? I wish you were dead. Yeah, but you're not. You're not going fast enough, right? Like I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and you're just not dead. So if you could give me this stuff now and we'll just pretend like you're dead. And you just give me my stuff. I don't want you. I want the stuff. Like that's that's what he's in, in essence saying to this guy. What, what a slap in the face, right? Like can you imagine that if your kid walked up to you today and they're like, hey, you know, I really like your car and I know that when you die you're going to give it to me. So I just can you just pretend like you're dead and give me the car and I'll just go away. Like, that is the story that he's telling. Like, somebody's like, oh, yeah, like, like a hit, right? Like, that is, that is what's happening in this story. This guy's like, man, I wish you were dead, but you're not. So give me the stuff, and we'll just pretend like it. So the son walks up to the father, and this is the conversation that they have. Like, what a slap in the face to the father. If I was the father, I'd be like, no, dude, you're not getting anything. I'm leaving everything to the other brother because he's way better than you, right? Like, he's older. He's wiser. He's not a jerk. He didn't tell me you wish I was dead. You just go do what you want to do. You're poor now. Have a great life. Like, that would have been me, but that's not this guy. It says he distributed the assets. So he's like, okay, cool. You can have them. Okay. You think you can do it without me? You think you know better than me? You think that you're smarter than me? You wish I was dead? Cool. Let's, let's see how this works out. Let's just see how it works out. She's like, okay. Um, the older brother in this culture gets like two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger would get one, so it's not like a 50-50 split. Like, he, he, okay, you get that, you get that, and then, and then go, go have fun. So he distributed them. It says in 13, not many days later, so just like a couple days later, uh, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country. It wasn't enough like that the father gave him all the stuff. He's like, I'm getting away from this guy. So he doesn't travel, he doesn't buy like a house next door or down the street or even in like another neighborhood. It goes, he goes to a distant country. Like he's going as far away as he can get from this father. And it says while he was there, he did something probably not so wise. He, he squandered his estate on foolish living. Now squandered means to waste, right? Like he wasted his money on foolish living. We don't know what he does because it doesn't matter what he does. Right, like it doesn't matter what he wasted his money on. This is he left this out because there are religious people listening to the story, right? Because what we want is a well. If if we do this, then God's going to say we squandered it. If we do this, then God's going to say we squandered it. But he didn't talk about my thing, so I'm obviously good, even though maybe on the next page or the next page or the next page or three pages ago, he's talked about said thing. Like we like to pick and determine what's the worst thing and who can't come to God and who can come to God or who can be forgiven and who can't be forgiven. And isn't it amazing that almost all the time the people that can't be forgiven are somebody other than us? So he just leaves it out. Who cares what he wasted it on? He wasted it. He wasted it. Squandered it. The father gives him all this money. We don't, we don't know how much. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's a lot because he had enough to move off and feel pretty confident he was going to be okay. And he gets there, and, and he just wasted on foolish living. He's like, man, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to have the best life I can imagine. Here, here's probably the truth. All the things that the father would never let him do, that's the things that he wanted to do. Whatever that looks like. Whatever he felt like the father was keeping him from, that's the things that he wanted to do. So like anything that he felt like the father was holding back from him that would improve his life, that would give him a better life, really when the father was trying to protect him and love him and keep him, like all those things are what he went out and he just, he just wasted it. So he squandered his estate on foolish living. And in 14 it says, after he had spent everything, like not some of it or most of it, he didn't leave any back. Like he wasn't thinking retirement 401k. Like he spent everything. 
a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. Now, we don't know how long that took, right? It could have been days, could have been months, could have been years, could have been decades. doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter and it's not in the story? Because if you've been gone for days, God will take you back. And if you've been gone for months, God will take you back. If you've been gone for years, God will take you back. If you've been gone for decades, God will take you back. If you've been gone your whole life, God will take you back. That's why Jesus doesn't say there's not like a limit to the grace. Like you can be gone this long and then God cuts you off. It's like you be gone as long as you can be gone. And when God calls you back, God will take you back. So at some point in time, after he'd been living it up, doing whatever he wanted to do, enjoying it, right? It was, it was probably fun. He spent everything. And he had nothing left. And then you see where it's going, right? Then he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Now we can kind of be like, okay, that's kind of gross. He lived in the father's house, probably didn't have a whole lot he had to do. Like he was just living off dad, right? Like he might have had some chores, but he was living the good life. He just didn't know he was living the good life. He left. He went and and had probably a great time. I'm not going to lie to you. Right? Like if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it, right? Like if, if, if the things of the world weren't fun, we would never get caught up in the things of the world. Like there's a reason that we go towards those things. There's a reason that we do those things. And the things you enjoy may not be the things that I enjoy and vice versa. It doesn't make us worse or better than each other. It just makes us different than each other, right? Like we all have different vices and hang-ups and sins. And, and it's, what it, it's what it is. And this guy went out and he had a great time. For who knows how long. He lived it up. He, he enjoyed like all that the world could give him. And then one day he realized, I don't have anything left. And now I've got to do something. There comes a moment when we realize there's, there's, there's an emptiness to this. You, you can live it up, right? Like, there's a whole book in the Bible about it, right? Like, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity. There was this guy who had everything. He had all the money, and he's like, it's not really worth it. He had all the pleasure. It's not really worth it. And a million wives, it's not really worth it. Like, he, he did all the things. He tried all the things. And what he comes to at the end of the book is like, without God, none of it means anything. And there was a moment where he comes to this place of like I don't have anything and at that moment he, he he has to go and he has to work for a foreigner and, and a pig farmer and he has to go out into the fields with the pigs and I think for most of us we'd be like that's not something I want to do like maybe pigs look cute on tv pigs are not cute I've had pigs they smell horrible they're gross they don't really care for people they're not great pets like maybe a pot belly is different but I had like a pig pig like the kind that you put in the freezer and they're not great and we can be like well that's gross they, they basically just everywhere, and that's all there is, right? They kill everything else. And we can be like, that's gross. But at this point in the story, all the Jewish people sitting around would have gasped. Because what this would have spoke to them is like, this is rock bottom. He was in the father's house, and now he's working for a foreigner. He was living with and among God's people, and he's fallen so far, and he probably doesn't even know how he got there. That was not the intent. The plan was not, I'm going to go waste everything and work at a pig farm. Like He was like, I'm going to go live it up forever, and this is going to be the best life. And the father was like, well, go try it. And he did. 
And it wasn't because at the root of it, it's empty without the Father. And he's working for a foreigner and he's working with pigs. Now, pigs are these like unclean animals to the Jewish people. You wouldn't touch pigs because that could have the opportunity to make you unclean. And once you're unclean, you can't even touch other people, right? Because you're unclean. You have to go through a process to get clean again. And here's a guy that's like working with pigs. And they would have been like, man, this is, this is horrible. This is taking a turn, right? Like maybe everybody was like, oh, yeah, live it up without the father. And then this happened. And now he's living it up with the pigs. It says in 16, because we're not at rock bottom yet. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. He was so empty, he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating just to try to do something to get rid of the hunger. Let me just let you in. There's a moral and spiritual lesson here. This man in the story was hungry, but apart from God, we will be empty. He's like, man, just give me what the pigs are eating because I've got such a hunger for something. I'm so empty. Just a few days ago, I was living it up, and now I'm here, and I don't even know how I got here. And nobody would give him any. Now that's where we've hit rock bottom. This is in 17, when he came to his census. There was a moment at at the rock bottom place, at this place of like, man, this is not what I thought it was going to be. There was a moment where it just popped in his head like, but I've got a father. At this rock bottom place in, in the most empty place, there was this moment where something clicked in his brain and he was like, but I've got a father. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon, but man and kids in the story are just a man and kids in a story. This is not a real event that really happened. Jesus is speaking to these people sitting around and to us today. And he's saying to these people, he's not speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He's looking right at the sinners and the tax collectors and he's saying to them like, you've left the Father. The problem is not what you've done. The problem is that you left. You walked away. And like the sheep, right? Like some of you, it's maybe because you were looking for something better. Like the son, maybe it's because you thought God was holding something back from you that would fill you. I don't want you to know at the end of it, it's empty and you know it's empty. And like some of you, you don't even you didn't even know how you got here. You never intended to get here, right? Like you're just there one day, and then boom, like I'm far, and I don't even know how I got far. Like it doesn't matter how how you got there. Wherever you are, there there's a moment that that that, that you you'll come to your senses, and you'll realize, man, there's this emptiness in living away from God. And I, th- I think that's what some of us have been expressing this year. In that, like I don't. Feel close. Because there's this emptiness, right? Like there's a, there's, there's a, 
I'm not, I'm not doing what, what God would have me to do. I'm not where God would have me to be. There's this fear as, as you get away from the Father. There, there's this whole heap of stuff that comes with like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And, and even that feeling that rises up in us of like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Like, that is this moment of like, I have a father. I'm living this way and I don't want to be living this way, but like, I have a father. I don't, I don't know how I got here. I'm so far away and I, I can't even put my finger on something that like I've done that's got me here, but I don't want to be here. I have a father. Man, I felt like God was holding something back from me and here I am and I've, I've tried all the things and nothing fulfills me and I'm empty. But I have a father. And he's speaking to these people, these people that are stealing money from, from poor people so they could live in excess. And he's saying it doesn't do anything, does it? If you were happy, you wouldn't be here. I want you to remember you have a father. Some, some of you guys, like you've been labeled sinners and you don't, you don't even know how you got here. I want you to remember right now you have a father. Some of you, you just want to run off chasing other things and you thought that thing was going to make you happy. And I need you to remember right now, because you, you know it didn't make you happy, you have a father. He's speaking that, not in this story, but to these people that are sitting around. You, you have a father. I know what they say about you. I know what you say about you, but, but it doesn't matter. I know some of you have gone a really long time. It doesn't matter. You have a father. Some of you have never even come to him, and I want you to hear today for the first time. You have a father. So he comes to his senses. He's in this place, and he's like, man, I'm empty. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to live it up, and it was cool for a few minutes, and now it's like horrible, and I'm empty. But I have a father. So he says, I'll, when he comes to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. He remembers the character of the father. Man, my father is a good father. My father is a generous father. My father cares about people. Like these are just servants. These are just people that are like hired hands. They're out here working in the fields and they have excess because my father is so good and so generous and so loving and so kind. And he, remember, he starts to remember the character of the father. Man, these people that I've been with, they won't even give me carob pods that they would feed to the pigs. But man, there's something different about my father. There's something different about that guy. So he, he works up this plan in 18 and he says, I'll get up and I'll, I'll go to my father and, and I'll say to him, he works up this speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He starts this prayer of repentance and, and he acknowledges like I've done something wrong. Isn't it isn't amazing. He didn't, he didn't get into specifics, right? Like I, I've sinned. Heaven is appalled. And he goes on in 19 and he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's like, I'm not trying to come back in as a son. I'm just trying to come back. I'll, I'll work in the field. I'll pick the grapes. I'll do whatever. It's better than the pig farm. He says, I'm not worthy to be here. I shouldn't be here. Make me like one of your hired hands. I'll, I'll be a servant. I'm not trying to come back in and be a son. I've already screwed that up. 
It says in 20, he did this amazing thing, probably the hardest first step he ever took in his life. How many of us can relate to that? Look, right, it's, there's, there's some humility in that. Yes, I have jacked it up. Yes, I've failed. Yes, I've messed up. Yes, I've walked away. Yes, I tried these other things. Yes, I thought you were holding something back from me. No, I don't even know how I got there, and I didn't even notice I was there. It takes some humility, right, to be like, I'm coming back your way. So he takes a step, and it was probably like the hardest step ever. He's trying to lift his leg up to go that way, and then he takes another step, and he takes another step, and he begins walking toward the Father. So he got up, and he went to his Father, and I love this. It says, but while the son was still a long way off, the Father saw him and was filled with compassion. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And just like the shepherd and just like the lady with the coin, he wasn't filled with anger. He wasn't filled with disappointment. He wasn't filled with like this justified wrath. He was filled with compassion. Compassion. We have have the definition for compassion. Compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. This is what the father felt when he, when he saw him, this pity and concern. Because he'd seen that while his son was away, his son had been suffering. He'd had misfortune. He, he knew, I'll just let you know, the father knew where this was headed. He, he knew the son. He knew this kid. He'd raised him. He'd, he'd noticed where the path was going for this guy, but he, you want to try it? Well, go try it. And the father saw him, and when he saw him, he didn't, he didn't feel angry. He didn't want to destroy him and beat him down and talk down to him and remind him and reprimand him. He didn't want to do all that. He saw him, and he felt pity in his heart and compassion in his heart because he'd seen what shape the son had got his life into. He didn't say, you deserve that, you jerk. Can't believe you told me you wished I was dead. I tried to tell you that you were going to screw it up. I tried to tell you that this was going to happen. He didn't say any of that. His heart was broke because he saw the state that the son was in. But I want you to see something else. This is something that, man, God spoke um, to me. This is that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. The father wasn't sitting in the house flipping through channels on the TV thinking, oh, he'll come back anytime now. Before he ever got back into town, before he ever got in the neighborhood, before he walked up the road, the father was looking for the son. I want you to know today if you feel far from God, it's because God is already calling you back home. 
The question today is not if you can come back or will God let you come back or can you come back or have I gone too far. God is already calling you back home. You would not know today you were far from God if God wasn't already saying to your heart, you can come close again. See, we talk ourselves into so many times, like, I'm so bad. I've messed it up so much. I'm not worthy to come back. I can't come back. I don't know what's going to happen when I come back. Maybe he won't take me back. But the character of the Father is not one that says, maybe you've gone too far this time. The character of the Father is loving and forgiving and compassionate and, and merciful. The Father is out looking for you long before you ever come looking for the Father. And this is the story that Jesus is telling these guys. Before you came and sat down today to hear me teach, I was already down here looking for you. I walked into town today not happening to think that maybe you would come up. I knew you were coming up. And I came into town today so that you could come back and you could come close. So it says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he had compassion. It says that this is what the father did. He ran and he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. The son who looked him in the eye and said, I wish you were dead. The son who looked him in the eye and said, I know what's better for me than you do. The son that looked him in the eye and said, I don't need you. I don't care about you. There's something better over there, and I'm searching it out. The son that said, I want to get as far away from you as I can go. The father ran to him, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. That's what happened is he started coming back. The father is already looking for him, and when he met him, he met him with compassion. This, this son who had been working in a pig farm. If you think the first gasp of, oh man, he's working for a foreigner and he's, and he's working in the pig farm. If you thought that was a gasp in the story, you wait till this part of the story. The father wasn't worried. Oh, if I touch this guy, I'm going to be made unclean. He wasn't worried about where the son had been or what he'd been doing. He wasn't worried about the stains of the pig farm on his life. He wasn't worried about the scent of the son walking back into the city. He wasn't worried about any of those things. He was worried about being with the son. He came out of the house and into the city looking for the son. And when he saw the son, he wasn't like, oh, I don't know if I can take him back. I don't know where he's been. Can you tell me your story? Can you, can you read me the list? Can you go over your speech one time? If it's good enough, maybe I'll take you back. He wasn't worried. Let me just fast forward about what the son was about to say. The son starts going into the, oh, but father, I've sinned against you and, and, and I've done this thing and I walked away and I'm not worried that you'd be called your, he doesn't even get through the whole story. The father doesn't even really listen to it. Does he, he doesn't even acknowledge it. He goes on and, and he's like, Hey, okay, cool. Um, Hey, servants, can you go in the house and I want you to get the best robe that you can find. Go in my room and get in my closet and you get like my Sunday robe. You get the best robe. You get that robe and you bring it out here. My son is home and we're putting it on him today. And I want you to go and I want you to flip open my jewelry box and I want you to get the most expensive ring, the one that I use to like seal everything, my signet ring with my name on it. I want you to go get that and I want you to bring it back and we're going to slip it on his finger because he's back and I'm putting my name on him. I don't care how much the ring costs. You, you get the, you get the big one because my son is back. 
And I want you to go, and I want you to go into the field, and I want you to find the best looking calf you can find. Get the, get the like, poke them, make sure they're tender. I want you to get the best one, the plumpest one, the biggest one, and I want you to bring it in, and I want you to fix it, because we're about to sit down and celebrate, because the sun is home. I've been looking for the sun all this time, and here he is. Here he is. Isn't it amazing? That this is the story that Jesus chooses to tell when he's surrounded by tax collectors and sinners. The religious people standing around. I can't believe he'd eat with them. I can't believe, I can't believe that he would do that. I can't believe that, that he, would, he would meet with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus said, oh, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better than that. Not only will I meet with them, and not only will I eat with them, and not only will we hang out on the weekends, not only will we go to the games together, I'm inviting them back in the house today. You just watch this. You think you got the Bible memorized. You just watch this. You've missed the character of God somewhere along the way. If you're sitting here scoffing at who God would allow to come back in the house, you've missed the character of the Father somewhere along the way. You may have it tattooed on your body. You may have it memorized in in, in masses. But the Father is a Father that loves and forgives, and he invites back in. And when they come back, we don't look down on them. I want you to get that, religious people. We don't look down on them, and we don't tell them how bad they are or how they need to clean up their the way they dress or the way they act or the way they talk. We let the Father take care of that. This is what the Father is concerned about when they come back in the house. Go get something with my name on it and put it on them. Go get the best robe in the room and put it on them. Go put my robe on them and my name on them. Get ready, people. We're going to have a party because I've been looking for them for such a long time. And what does that mean for us today? It means that last year may have been defined by, I don't feel close. But this year doesn't have to be. It means that for days or weeks or months or years or decades, that some of us may have been living far away from God, but we don't have to anymore. We may have been caught up and beat up and beat down in sin and shame and guilt. We may have been looking for other things. We may have just wandered away and we don't even know how we got there. But this year, we don't have to be those things. Any of us and every one of us, if we, if we feel like God is saying, you're far away, he's already invited us back in the door and he's not going to meet us at the altar today with, I can't believe you got there. I can't believe you let your life get that bad. I can't believe you did that. I told you not to do that. If you just flip open that book sometimes and read that, I've showed you not to do that. He's not going to meet us with that he's gonna say welcome home i've been looking for you i've been calling your name have you heard me say it i got this robe for you you want to try my ring on oh we're getting ready to rejoice in heaven can you hear it? And there's angels singing right now. This is amazing. Because somebody's coming home today. 
Somebody's coming back today. Somebody's been so far away. And God's like, man, we are warming up the chorus in heaven today. We're getting ready to sing today because sons and daughters are coming home today. I've been shouting some of your names for years. And here you are. And I am excited today. Oh, we're warming up the warming up the bread. We put the feast in the oven. I'm ready. Are you? You can come home today. For those of us who we don't really know how we got there, but we're not close, you can come home today. For those of us who have just chased other things, chased other luxuries, lifestyles we thought we knew best, God's saying, you can come home today. For our friends and our families, maybe take it outside of this room for many, some of the people that are already in the jar, God's saying today, you, you, can come, you can come home today. Some of you have sons that don't know Jesus, and Jesus is saying, they, they can come home. Daughters that don't know Jesus, say, you, you come home. Aunts, uncles, brothers, mothers. Our God is a loving God and a forgiving God and a good God, a merciful God, a, a, a righteous God, but a forgiving God. And for anybody and everybody that the Father would call their name, they'd come home. Man, I'm just going to ask some of us today that, that you feel far away. Well, why don't we just come down here? Why don't we just come down to this place? God's saying, come home, come home, come home. You don't have to stay far away. 2020 doesn't have to be, I've been far away from God and I'm just going to keep it going that way. 2020 can be the year of man. I feel God calling my name and I'm coming home. that's you today why don't you meet me here maybe for somebody in the room today you have never ever been home you you don't even know what it's like to be saved you've maybe told people that you were but you've known in your heart for years and years and years that that's never been you and God's saying today you can come home I don't care where you've been I don't care how long you've been there. I don't care what you've done. You can come home. And for some of us today, maybe we've been the Pharisees and the scribes, and we've got people that we've just counted out. I can't believe Jesus would ever talk to that person. Maybe today we just need to come down here and say, God, I, I believe that they can come home too. I have found home. And I believe that you're going to find it for them too. So this morning, wherever we're at, whatever we need, I know that there's one place we can find it. And that's at the feet of Jesus. For all of us today, we got an invitation in a way.